0: As we look at that passage now together, um, the various parts of it which I refer to will come up on the screen for you, or maybe you have your own Bible to follow along with. A message that I've entitled, A Wash With Love, by the end of which I hope you'll see the significance of that title. But we're at the beginning, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are indeed a God of love. And we thank you for that love and through that love how you have reached out to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. More than him, you've given us your word. So may we study it carefully this morning. Help me to teach it faithfully. And in it, Lord, may we learn more of how to seek to love others as you have surely loved us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. My mother was rather particular about cleanliness. Not in an obsessive way, just a little bit fussy, you know, around the house or personal hygiene matters particularly. And when we would occasionally discuss this in a very light-hearted way, I can remember her saying, cleanliness is next to godliness. You might have heard that expression. As if to say, that's the next most important thing. Well, if she were here today, I would say, Mum, cleanliness is God in us. That's his business. Well, this very well-known story we come to today of Jesus washing his disciples' feet is where he acts that out, pointing to what he would accomplish the next day when he dies, cleansing us. From sin. And overarching them both is this astounding humility, stooping low as our servant. So, verse number one, you see, it was just before the Passover feast. So, this is John's account of that last meal that the disciples had with Jesus before he went to his death. Not that they knew it would be the last meal. But whereas in Matthew, Mark and Luke, we get the details of breaking the bread and sharing the wine, John has delved deeply into the theology of that back in chapter 6. But when he gets to his narrative of what happened at that meal, we get this beautiful story of Jesus washing his feet. And you see at the end of the verse, he loved them to the end. Or in some versions it says, to show the full extent of his love, which was to be the next day. So he first washed them as a prelude to his death. So there's a link that John wants us to see. Washing and death to follow soon after. And how low Jesus was prepared to go and in doing both as a servant and as acts of love. The world's understanding of love is very mixed and confused all the more so I think today but real love involves sacrifice, giving over of oneself that others can live and grow and flourish and the greatest love ever shown of course is in the cross of Jesus Christ where the Bible is very clear to point out that in that we are cleansed from our wrong attitudes and our wrong thoughts about God which result In our failure to live rightly as his people. For which we really deserve to be removed from God's presence forever. That's what the Bible defines as death. But Jesus was about to show the full extent of his love to the end of his life. Where the disciples' feet are dirty, he washes them. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us as Paul puts it in Romans. There we see the ultimate example of self-sacrificing love, a God who would rather have his son die than live without us who deserve to die. Well, as we come to see how Jesus was pointing to this in the foot washing, there's a couple of background matters that I need to help you understand. The first is, the disciples would have gone home after a day of work in the field or maybe working with their fishing nets, maybe even out in the boat, and they would have washed up as best they could, put on a change of clothes, and then walked to where the pre-arranged meeting place was to meet Jesus for this Passover meal, which he then turned into the remembrance of his sacrificial death the next day. Just as they would have often washed up and walked to a friend's place to have a meal but walking in sandals, open sandals, on a dusty road. So when they arrive, they're met by the slave of the master of the house, probably a girl, who would take off the sandals and wash their feet, and then they would be totally clean again, and they would be free to go inside and meet the master and enjoy time with him and his meal. So here, Jesus is acting out the role of a servant girl. And in the Jewish culture of the day, that was a very lowly role indeed. The second thing I want you to understand is the betrayal lurking in the background. John seems to make several references of it here as he's telling us this beautiful story. Look firstly at verse 2. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus and Jesus knew it come down to verse 10 and 11 I've got you jumping all around the place here and you see towards the end of verse 10 and you are clean though not every one of you for he knew who was going to betray him and that was why he said not everyone was clean And then in the verses immediately following this passage, verses 18 through to 30, we see it where Jesus actually identifies the one who is going to betray him, Judas. He allows Satan to enter him and Judas leaves to perform his dreadful deed. So it would seem at this point as if it's all coming apart for Jesus and he knows it. That he chooses to do here and the next day and including even to Judas and what he does as their most humble servant in the face of terrible betrayal by Judas which would become full blind rejection by the crowds on the morrow. So he stoops low before his disciples and including Judas as he would stoop low before the crowds and the Roman soldiers the next day. So, what does all this mean? Well, let's go and reread verses 4 and 5. Can we do that? Oh, thank you. So quick up the back there. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. But it's when he comes to Peter that we see everything that was going on. Now, we don't know in what order they were washed. We don't know whether Judas was washed before or after this point, but he certainly was, along with all of them. But when he gets to Peter, this question, what are you doing, gives us tremendous insight as to what's going on. And so can we have verses 6 to 10. Thank you. Look, he's one step ahead of me. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realise now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Wouldn't have we loved to have been there in that time after the death and resurrection when Jesus was explaining the significance of everything that had taken place, including at this meal? But Peter said, no, you shall never wash my feet. Oh, well, says Jesus, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And then Peter, as over-exuberant as usual, says, oh, oh well, don't just only wash my, my feet, but my, but my head and, and my hands too. And Jesus answered, a person has had a bath needs only to wash his feet and his whole body is clean and you are clean. What did he mean by saying you are already clean? Well, John t- tells us just a couple of chapters on. Let me read you one verse from John 15 verse 3. And you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you, said Jesus. So these guys had been around with Jesus now for three years. And they'd seen everything he'd done and heard everything that he'd spoken. And they knew full well there was wonderful passages where they confess in Jesus, where else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. They knew that he was the son of God who had come as their long-awaited saviour even though they had no idea of what that salvation would look like the next day. But they'd come to put their trust in Jesus and they are therefore clean says Jesus. So today we need to realise that there's no other way to be right before God. Either we are clean in this way or we're in the same class as Judas, taking Jesus at face value only and living our lives in full-blown hypocrisy and deceit. But, the next point, if we're clean... We need a refresher clean. So he says there in verses um, 10 again, A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet and his whole body is clean. What on earth could this mean? It means that we need a top-up clean occasionally. We need a refresher clean. Yes, we can make a great confession and come in humble repentance before our Lord who forgives us, but then do we not stumble again? The very sins for which we are forgiven continue to haunt and trap us. So we need to top up cleansing. I like to think I'm a bit of a country bumpkin and I like to wear leather boots. Every now and again I have to take to them and work hard with some polish and a bit of elbow grease and a rag and really make them clean. But then after one wearing and I throw them in the cupboard, when I pull them out yesterday, oh, they're a bit dusty, so I quick, dust off, and they're clean again. It's that idea. And Jesus puts it this way, immediately after he'd said in chapter 15, as I said, you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you, remain in me, and I will remain in you. So the point here is that we need a conscious Intentional, regular repentance John the same author of this gospel of course as you know also wrote the letter known as 1 John and let me read you just one verse from 1 John chapter 1 verse 8 if we claim to be without sin and John's writing to believers here we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us so Maybe we're thinking we belong to the perfectionism crowd now as Christians. No way. Maybe we think we're a member of the legalism club. I come to church nearly every Sunday. No way. We need to be cleansed by Jesus to keep in touch with him as we persevere in this contaminated world as his weak followers. We need to keep in touch with him every day. We need to learn how to deal with daily sin in our lives, even though we're fully cleansed by Jesus. And it's in this way that we're helped to push back against those sins which continually trouble us. Well, after that deep teaching, Jesus goes on and here's the very practical application of it. What does it mean for the disciples and for us by extension? Let me read again, just verses 14 and 15. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent me. In other words, if it's good enough for me, it's good enough for you. Or, again, John, in his letter, his first letter, goes on to say in more direct, plain speaking language, perhaps a little bit challenging, 1 John 3, a few verses, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us love, not with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. I think that speaks pretty plainly, doesn't it? Let me try and capture those thoughts in this way. Christianity remains at its core a love story. The romance between God and those whom he cares for deeply, his people. And despite our own shortcomings, God remains faithful to his promises in Jesus if we turn to him and remain close to him. That's why all true love shown to others, sometimes at cost to ourselves, is a living gospel that reveals the God who is love and who teaches us how to love in return. How do I do this, you might say? Look, I was overwhelmed yesterday when Paul was running me through so many programs of what you people are doing at this church um, and, and even out into the community. I was deeply moved. But I just want to take you to that last verse before I close. Verse 17. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. What does that blessing look like? Do we feel happy? Are we satisfied? Do we feel a little bit self-righteous? That's very dangerous. No. It's a deep, deep joy. That even though whatever loving service we, we might have carried out hurts. We have joy. You see, there's no joy on the couch in being served. There's joy in rolling up your sleeves and getting your hands dirty in caring for other people who need that help. In the book of Acts, chapter 20, Paul calls the elders of the church to meet with him one last time. And is encouraging them there to care for the flock by doing hard work and helping the weak. And Luke, the narrator, tells us Paul does this because he remembers it was Jesus who said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. But nowhere in the Gospels do those exact words occur on Jesus' lips, but they probably come from this passage. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So let me close by telling you how Compassion's Ministry is a two-way blessing. You've heard about how the local staff care for the children in in the centres. And of course there's a national team behind them and there's an international overarching team trying to coordinate it around the world and there's our local team of beautiful Compassion people here visiting our churches. I'm just a volunteer but they do a great job. I love working with them raising sponsorships and and organising letter writing and all of that. But we can all be part of that Compassion team and my appeal to you this morning, will you join us in washing the feet of the children in our centres, pointing them to the love of God in Jesus. The children are surely blessed, but so are we in a deep spiritual way. Christian joy. Everyone who has or who has in the past sponsored a child will affirm to you the experience of inexpressible joy and the world is changed, one child at a time, your child, my child, everyone's sponsored child, children released from poverty in Jesus' name and his kingdom grows. And we grow too through this humble sacrificial service of children whom we come to love deeply. Will you join with us in this love today? I look forward to having conversations with you over morning tea and helping you to meet your sponsored child. Amen.